What is up, plain people? It's Tuesday, July 7th. 2020. And we're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast. This is Vikram Baliga, your host, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm a massive tree nerd. I love trees. I could re- literally talk to you about trees all day. So, and don't test me on that because I will do it. Uh, some of my friends just know better than to ask at all. So we're talking about trees today and I've got a great guest and I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked about it. So excited. But first, a couple of things. So, uh, I announced on the last episode that I'm running a little contest for um, you to win some swag, stickers, and mugs, and uh, really, I mean, whatever else I can come up with between now and then. But I have a one-star rating on iTunes that I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. He didn't leave it. Or this person did not leave a review so I want you to make one up. Uh, we're calling this Bad Rating Backstories. And your job is to come up with the most outlandish and ridiculous backstory and reason for this human leaving a one-star rating without a review. Send those to me by the 20th of this month. And I'll include my favorite in the next episode, episode 22. that'll come out on the 21st. And I will send you some stuff. I don't even know what yet, but you're going to get some cool stuff. So uh, do that. Email it to me. Send it to me on social media, whatever. Looking forward to hearing your ridiculous stories. And um, if if nobody sends them in, I'm going to make up my own story and buy myself a mug. And I don't have any room in my cabinets for more mugs. So I need you to participate. Um, also, again, if you're waiting on a sticker for me, they are coming. I still have a stack of them that don't have uh, stamps on them because I'm an idiot. Uh, and so I'm going to put stamps on them and get them mailed out. I'm finishing up my dissertation right now. I uh, am planning on defending on the 29th of July. So I'm a little frazzled at the moment and behind on everything. So I apologize for the slowness of those getting to you. So as we've mentioned before, uh, I'm not at the point right now where I'm taking um, traditional podcast sponsors because, you know, we're supported by the university. It's kind of a, in some cases, a conflict of interest, and I just don't want to mess with it at the moment. But I have made a couple of really cool local partnerships, um, and I feel more okay about supporting local industry here in Lubbock because that is a big goal of Texas Tech. So there's a couple of local businesses and organizations that I've started partnering with through the podcast that I want to tell you about. So the first that we've talked about for a few weeks now is a cool business called Pecan Ridge. Um, They do everything from local shelling of pecans. They sell them in the fall. They do cool gift baskets. But they also have a lot of things that you can buy regardless of where you are. You don't have to be a Lubbockite to enjoy signature flavored pecans or bacon bourbon barbecue sauce, which is super rad, by the way. It's so good. Uh, Pecan roasted coffee, jalapeno mustard, um, pickled asparagus, uh, little pecan pies, all kinds of cool stuff. Hit up pecanridge.com. Use the promo code plantpeople, all one word, all lowercase, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order, and it'll be great. They'll ship it to your door at your home, and all you have to do is open it up and get stuff. It's great. Uh, the, uh, the next organization that I have just started partnering with is a great one called Local LBK. So Local Lubbock. Now, this is maybe more for you uh, Lubbockites or people in the region than uh, maybe people that are out of town. But it's a great local um, advocacy group that works with businesses from restaurants to clothing stores to uh, art and education groups and entertainment and everything and anything in between to help promote these local small businesses, which have taken such an incredible hit over the past few months with all the coronavirus stuff going on. Um, our local business is really struggling. And so I thought it would be great to partner with local LBK um, to get the message out about all these wonderful uh, wineries and coffee shops and, and movie theaters and everything else uh, that you should be supporting. And, and wherever you live, if you're not a Lubbock person, go support a local business today. I think it's so important. But with local LBK, for five bucks a month, you get access to all kinds of great rewards. Um, in some places, some of the favorites that I have are uh, at some of these coffee shops in town, Sugar Browns, Gold Stripe, The Coffee Shop, uh, Bar 
Ara Coffee and Pastry Shop and Tova Coffee House. You know that I'm a coffee person. I drink a ton of coffee. You can get everything from a free beverage with a, a purchase of a coffee bag to 10% off your order to uh, buy one, get one 50% off deals uh, with a membership through local LBK. Um, you can get uh, great discounts at all kinds of businesses, um, gimmies, uh, giveaways, all kinds of great stuff. So it's five bucks a month. Go to Keep It Local LBK. Um, to sign up and I'll, I'll, I will post a link uh, in the show notes and on social media. And I'll talk about this on social media too. If you want to go sign up that way, uh, something cool they're really doing is um, $1 of every $5 subscription every month gets put directly back into the community for marketing, for development and other things for all these businesses they work with. Uh, their goal is to get uh, 10,000 subscribers and invest $10,000 back per month into our local community. And I, I really want to help them get there because I love this place. I love these business owners and it's just a great organization. So again, it's keep, keep it local lbk.com. I'll post links you can use to go sign up and it's great. All right, so my guest for today is a, a good friend of mine that I met um, a while back when I was working with Extension named Jonathan Motzinger, John Motzinger. So he is a department head in the Texas A&M Forest Service down in the Hill Country now. He's based out of Austin uh, just recently. Um, I actually interviewed him, I think, on his last week here in Lubbock. I'm really going to miss this guy. But he is, if there's another tree nerd that loves trees as much as I do, or more than I do, it's John. And he's so knowledgeable, so funny, and just really the the perfect person that I uh, could have on to talk about trees. You're just, you're going to love this episode. I, I know you will. So uh, thanks for joining me again. I hope you're hanging in there and doing well. But um, fasten your seatbelts and get ready for episode 21 of Planthropology with John Monsinger. All right. Well, we are up and running, and I'm here with uh, John Motzinger from the Texas Forest Service. How are you, man? You got to say Texas A&M Forest Service. Uh, we got to get that A&M in there. Okay. I, know, I mean, I know you work for tech. I know, like, I'm a big tech fan. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an A&M guy, but Texas A&M Forest Service, you got to get it right. Texas A&M. You know, and you think I would be used to saying it after, <laughs> after, like, you worked there, after right? several years yeah. in extension. I mean, you know, you yeah. get it right, man. Yeah. Okay. So John is with the Texas A and M Forest Service. Thank you. Uh, here locally in West Texas. Um, so I I appreciate for first, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But congratulations on the new job. Thank you. Uh, so he'll still be with the Forest Service, but we'll go into that a little bit more. But uh, how long have you been up here um, in the Lubbock area doing this? So this year it'll be eleven years. This this year this month it'll be eleven years since I've uh, moved to Lubbock. So uh, eleven years here in the the panhandle. It was actually in the middle of June. And the day that we drove into Lubbock, like that night, uh, we had a haboob. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, all right, welcome to Lubbock. Uh -huh. Here's a bunch of dirt for you. Yeah, welcome. That is that is what we do to people. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> and and for, for some reason, I stayed here for 11 years in spite of all that. You kind of get stuck, right? So it's like people come and like visit in the spring, like early spring or in the fall, and it's beautiful. And then we get them with summer. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like late spring, summer. We hit them with giant walls of dust and 115 degree temperatures. But it's not all bad. It's no Lubbock's good. I've enjoyed my time here. And actually, I'm going to be a little bit sad to leave. I mean, we've been in the process of packing up our house and things like that. And like when you think about leaving and 11 years is a long time it's to be someplace. Time. And yeah. so anyway, we're uh, we're excited for the future, but kind of sad to be leaving, too. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. No. And, and you know, anywhere, I think after 11 years kind of becomes home, right? <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. And, definitely. you know, your kids were born here and yeah, all that. Yeah. And, or or adopted here. Or adopted. Uh, yeah. In, in the case of, of mine. But um, yeah, so it'll be uh, it'll be different. My wife's already saying that she's going to try to get them to be UT fans. I'm like, no, nah, not not going there. Like, no, like we've 11 years in in Lubbock, we've got a state tech fan. And you work for AM. And I work for AM. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to, well, we won't go there. But yeah. So for Austin li <laughs> listeners, sorry, but not also not sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, so why don't you, uh, I guess, just, just kind of introduce yourself a little more. How did you get into uh, trees? Like what, what brought you to this place in your life? Yeah. So um, I mean, as with a lot of the guests that you've had, like it starts in childhood started whenever I was a kid. And, um, so I grew up in Missouri, 
Okay. Uh, which Missouri is a little bit different than than uh, than Texas. Um, <laughs> little, <laughs> just a little. Um, but I just grew up enjoying the outdoors. Like I'd go go fishing. We had I lived out out in the country a little bit, and so we had some um, property next to ours where we'd go exploring and all that kind of stuff. So I just enjoyed being outdoors. Um, whenever I got into high school, I started getting more involved in like the the science aspect of of things. And for like for FFA, I was on a couple of contests. Um, judging teams and my senior year I ended up being on the the forestry team just because they needed people and I was like all right well yeah I can memorize the scientific name in trees that's that's fine I can <laughs> can knock that out and so really enjoyed that and that was kind of my first introduction into the field of forestry and what what forestry was just learning um kind of the the care of trees and things like that um then I went to went to college went to the University of Missouri so I will always be a, a Tigers fan yeah um, oh sure you should no, be. no yeah. matter where in Texas I live, Mizzou all the way. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I started there, um, I started with a degree in fisheries and wildlife, just thinking, all right, I want to be outside. I want to do like outdoorsy stuff. And the way they had it set up is if you lived in the dorms, you could choose to live um, in a community with other natural resource majors, which which was great. And so um, in, in my dorm on my floor, I had people that were uh, parks and rec majors and forestry majors huh. and things like that. And so. Um, as I became better friends with the forestry people and started doing forestry stuff and like forestry club and uh, forestry conclave, you know, like the the chopping and the crosscut sawing right. com- oh, competitions cool. yeah. and stuff like that. Not nearly as cool as the stuff on ESPN, but it was fun. <laughs> and so I got more into that and and just realized that um, forestry is is kind of cool. I decided that that was kind of where I wanted to go. Part of it from the research standpoint, um, like if you're doing fisheries and wildlife. Um, you might trap a, a, a small mammal and tag it and never see it again <laughs> right, or, or yeah. <laughs> a bird. Um, if you put a tag in a tree and that tree's not there when you go back, um, there's there's other things going on. So so really, that's um, that was kind of where I landed is. All right, let's do let's let's focus on trees. And so I ended up actually getting a, my undergrad as a dual major in Fishers and wildlife and forestry, so I stuck with the oh, okay uh, the, the fish and the animals, and and then my master's was was just in forestry. So that's kind of a long story of of how I got into trees. Oh yeah, well, and and so I've always what's interesting. I've always been into trees. Like I love trees. I'm a tree guy, and it's funny because I make the joke a lot that oh Lubbock doesn't have trees, <laughs> which is not the case. Not the it's case. it's really not the case. In fact, um a friend of mine who uh is the photographer for campus was taking some pictures from on top of one of the buildings mm-hmm. um last week or a couple weeks ago, sometime um, this spring. And like she she kind of posted about the same thing. Like look at this canopy. Like it's just green. There's 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 a lot of trees. And I mean that's the question and you can imagine being with um, the Texas A&M Forest Service and being in Lubbock, uh, <laughs> you pull up to a gas station and somebody reads the logo on the truck and gives you that quizzical look. Right. So, so where are the trees? <laughs> um, but really, I mean, the urban forest is is kind of where it's at. I mean, that's that's what we look at as far as trees. At least here in Lubbock, we've got a, a great urban forest. Um, we're a Tree City USA, recognized yeah. by. Um, by the Arbor Day Foundation, and so just the the value on on those urban trees. That's I mean, that's what what's important um, around here, and that's where we get our um, tree fix, I guess. Yeah, right. Well, and, and it's interesting, yeah, because you know people think about well, lots of other places when you think about trees, yeah, and forests <laughs> and and of different kinds, and yeah, we don't have that, but we do have people and mm-hmm. people like having trees around. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I, I had a, uh, you remember Mark Brown? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So he would always say that every tree in Lubbock was a choice. Right. Right. Yeah. And at least initially. Somebody had to choose to plant that tree there because, uh, otherwise it's, it's not going to be there. No. Right. When, and, uh, Episode one's Kyle Tengler would probably argue with me about this. I always say that we don't have any native trees, right? The mesquite is okay, maybe. We, yeah, we don't we don't need to we don't need to get into that because he'll hopefully he'll listen and I'll get a text, you know. Uh, but no, that's that is an interesting thing because we're up here on this you know big open savanna, yeah. and then you get even fly, flying in is interesting, right? Because right. it is. Cotton fields, agriculture, yeah. grassland, as far as you can see. Yeah. And and a few windbreaks in there. So yeah, no, that's don't true. forget the windbreak. There are some windbreaks. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. actually. <laughs> uh, 
And then you kind of fly in over Lubbock, which is, again, people think dry desert, but we have a lot of yeah. trees. And um, so working for the the AM Forest Service, what uh, what are some of your what have been some of your responsibilities? Because like we mentioned, you just kind of got into a new position, but I'd like to hear over the past 11 years, right. what kind of stuff have you done? <laughs> yeah. So being here um, as a forester in the high plains, um, we are few and far between. So I cover <laughs> a pretty large area, as you might imagine. Yeah. Um, so I have covered an area basically from Plainview to Midland to Abilene kind of, okay. I don't know, 35, 40 some odd counties. Mm-hmm. Um, and primarily working with landowners, um, people that are wanting to put in windbreaks um, around property, uh, around farmland or, or a home or something like that. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Um, also working with people that, that just, uh, cause once you get off the cap rock a little bit there, we do have some nice, uh, uh, Western soapberry forests and things yeah. like that. When you get out toward, uh, uh past Crosbyton and, and Dickens and out that way. Um, so, I mean, we have some, have some trees right here and, and so people are wanting to know how to, to manage those. So working with folks, uh, from a stewardship standpoint, how to take care of those trees that that they have on their property, and uh, and and have kind of a healthy healthy property for wildlife or whatever their objectives are. Right. Um, but then there's also the the urban component. So we have within this area, I mentioned the the big cities, that basically <laughs> Lubbock, right. uh, Midland, Odessa, Abilene. Um, those are large urban areas, and so we've got a lot of uh, urban issues as well. So working with communities um, to care for their urban trees. Um, or to inventory their urban trees, working even with with homeowners, giving them um, information and recommendations on tree planting, tree care, um, pruning, a lot of public outreach. So yeah, um, probably the way that you and I first worked together was on uh, a couple workshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about trees and conservation and and uh, things like that. So uh, it's kind of a it's it's been a variety of things, and uh, it's nice because. It's not all, all, not always the same thing every day. Um, and then, of course, the the office that I work out of is our West Texas Nursery, and so, right. so that I don't think I mentioned that yet, but but it's the the only um, nursery that's run by uh, the Anim Forest Service, and we're growing trees for uh, conservation, for wildlife, for windbreaks that can be planted in this part of the state, like we, we want to focus on trees that do well in this area. Sure. Yeah. Um, but some of them do well in other parts of the state too. So, I mean, when you, when you throw, throw in the nursery stuff along with, um, the, the public and landowners and communities, I mean, it's, it's just a cornucopia. It's, of, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, well, and, and with your, your tree program. Um, so I know you do a variety of species. Um, I think one year I helped with, a. so you, do you, do you ship all over the, the country or just in the state of Texas? No. So we ship all over the country and I was actually looking through some of the lists of, of places where we've shipped before or had orders from. And so it was like California was on there and Florida and Illinois, oh, wow. North Carolina. So we don't, most of what we grow, we sell in state. Sure. Um, but there, there, we get a few random orders. We, we've gotten a couple from Hawaii. We have huh. opted not to ship those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit unreasonable as far as the uh, shipping rates to Hawaii. But. I, I believe. Well, and, and, you know, when I think about some of the different species you grow, like probably the most common is the Alderica pine. Yeah. Or the yeah Afghan pine. Afghan, yeah. Um, which does well in a variety of climates, uh, a variety of soil types. It can take salty water. It can take heat. It's a great tree. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't like too much water. And that's right. That's the problem you're going to do is you get a little bit further, further east into central <laughs> yeah. Texas and definitely east Texas. Like, uh, it's too wet here. Yeah. But but for our climate oh, and, yeah. and really anything west, yeah, uh, it it does great. Yeah. Um, and then some hardwoods, some oaks, and some yeah. other stuff. Yeah, oaks, pecan. I mean, na- native Texas pecan, things like that. And and that's uh, so we talk about you know native trees to this area and like things like uh, a pecan, well, a pecans maybe not native here, but to the state, right? Uh, but then black walnut and and several others. We have quite a quite a few trees yeah. in Texas. Texas is big, and I've mentioned this on other episodes, but it's like, um, you know, we have we actually have some, quite a few international listeners, and I think it's it's hard to contextualize sometimes <laughs> what. Like how large Texas can be. Well, you can put it in terms of miles, um, but not everybody really grasps that. You can put it in terms of of drive time. I mean, that's that's a Texas thing, right? Like, yeah. Like how how long? I don't care how many miles. How long is it going to take me? But what if we've got speed limits of like eighty miles an hour? That drive time doesn't really equate either. And so, 
It's it's just it's crazy big. big. It's like the size of Western Europe, pretty <laughs> much. Like if you were to take the the distance from like the southern tip of Texas to the northern panhandle and like fold it again, you could be in Canada. Right. You could be in South America. Yeah, you could be it's, in a lot of places. So I, I guess my, my point there, not just to brag on how big, te- <laughs> which is what we do in of Texas. Course. Of course. Every te- so if, if you're listening out there and you don't know a lot of Texans, if you spend any time with Texans, we will at some point tell you how great Texas is in one way or the other. That's it's in the contract. No, uh, that's that may be where I fail as a Texan because I'm still I'm still <laughs> a Missourian at heart. But um, yeah, Texas, Texas is OK. We'll go with that. It's OK. The stamp of approval. But <laughs> that should be the new slogan. Texas, yeah, Texas is just we're, we're OK. okay. We're, we're OK. okay. That's uh uh yeah that's funny, <laughs> um, but it is a diverse ecosystem, right? We oh yeah, have, and there are so many. I mean, you go from the the piney woods of East Texas, um, you get into the hill country and the the um, live oaks, and and you get into the post oak savanna, kind of mm-hmm. North Texas. Um, you've got the lost pines there in, in the Bastrop area. Um, then you get all the way out west to the Davis Mountains, and I mean, there are so many unique species. Uh, yeah, just kind of. Some that are just only found in small pockets in Texas, yeah. like it's it's really cool, and so so much diversity of of species and and uh, eco regions and and types and things like that. Well, and this so this is a little bit off topic, but I don't. It's interesting, yeah, so I don't care. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone cares, but um, like even up here on the high plains, we, we used to be heavily spring fed mm-hmm. by, by, you know, underground springs from the aquifer. We have a huge aquifer system here. And then if you get down, um, I don't, you've probably been out to silver falls. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's a rest stop about an hour east of here. Um, that's just off the side of the highway, but it's actually a, a spring fed area. There are, um, there's a, a river system that eventually ends up in the Brazos and then, into the Gulf of Mexico, you know, eventually, eventually. Uh, but there's so much biodiversity there that oh, yeah. it's incredible. It's incredible. There's a uh, uh, hawthorns, there's native grapes. There are um, some terrestrial orchids that are endemic to just that little spot. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It, I mean, you never know what you're going to run. Across. I mean, there are just so many like hidden little pockets like that in different places that, yeah, it's really it's really cool. So um, you mentioned so okay. So talk a little bit now about the job that you're going to do because you're about to like you're in the process of packing up and leaving Lubbock. Yeah, I'm glad I, I caught I, you. I know, right? I'm, I'm in the process. We are we are fixing to be out of here. Um, but so in Central Texas, I will be functioning as a department head over the Central Texas operation. So this is going to be our our foresters in kind of Central and, and West Texas. And a lot of what they focus on is is oak wilt, um, which is a fairly devastating disease. Um, if you're not familiar with it, uh, we've got a lot of materials and things like that. And um, I, I think you've heard my oak wilt presentation at least yeah. once. Oh, it's good, yeah. And uh, I could probably go on and on about that. <laughs> but um, but basically, working with um, working with landowners and working with communities that have oak wilt to to treat that. Um, to mitigate that, to kind of help keep it from spreading. And then a lot of um, public awareness and just getting information out about um, not pruning your trees between February 1st and the end of June, uh, making sure that you paint all of your pruning cuts on oak trees at any time of year, and just kind of fostering that that kind of awareness and and getting that information out to to the public where folks can use it. Well, and that brings up... that brings up a really interesting topic for me, um, especially in light of all the coronavirus stuff we've been yeah. dealing with. Right. So we talk about human pandemics and epidemics and disease issues a lot. Right. Because it's in the news yeah. and it directly impacts our or it impacts. Our, let's say it this way. It impacts our health in a direct way. OK. Right. Uh, the loss of trees, which we can talk about, too, because you, you brought that up before. Yeah. And I wanted to hear you talk. Yeah. About yeah. That, uh, can impact. Uh, our health in a positive way. So their loss is, is a negative. negative. Um, but like plant diseases are kind of a big deal. Yeah. Especially widespread ones. And, and one, I mean, there's not really a cure for a plant disease that is spread by an insect and right to any open wound on an oak tree, basically yeah. um, where it can, can uh, colonize and, then lead to the death of the tree. So um, it's definitely, it's something where uh, I don't think, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a, uh, or uh, 
web call mm-hmm. um, recently, of course, um, that was talking about the history of of Oakwilt. And I mean, Oakwilt's been in Texas for years. I mean, decades, yeah. like since the 40s, maybe was when it was first potentially recognized. And in the 60s was whenever it was actually identified. And so it's been around for a long time. Sure. Um, but it becomes more more obvious in like in central Texas where there's a lot of the same trees. So there's a lot of live oak. Um, and then as people are kind of getting more um, interacting more with the environment. So so hmm. as as communities like as Austin is growing and, and uh, these small communities around Austin are growing and people are um, moving there because of the trees, as those trees start to die, it has a really like a noticeable impact. Yeah. And so people are, people are really tied to the trees and, and uh, so seeing them all just die <laughs> is pretty devastating. Oh yeah. Well, and you make an interesting point about as people kind of interact uh, with the environment or become, you know, uh, more invested in parts of the environment um, because it's one that, that they're noticing that, you know, millions yeah. of oaks are, are, crashing you know it'll kill a red oak in you know if you're not familiar to kill a red oak in months yeah uh live, live oak, oak may limp along for a couple of years yeah but usually yeah within a year here uh bur oaks and i think some in the white oak family may have a little resistance yeah less susceptible is is what we say okay. but but they can still um i know we've we've seen it a little bit in uh, like chinkapin oak and maybe, okay. some, maybe some mexican white oak that um it's not not as prevalent in those i mean any of the red oaks and uh, and the live oaks are are where you see the majority of it and yeah, seeing those trees just up and die, like it's tough. It's crazy. Well, and, and then you think about also how something like that spreads because as people build homes, you want an oak tree. Mm-hmm. You want, so it gets dug up from the hill country somewhere <laughs> and we have a lot of it in Lubbock. It's in all these uh, uh, centers around here. Yeah. And that, I mean, a lot of that's from firewood. So, oh wow. That's so, interesting. So you get somebody that uh, maybe has, has some property in the hill country or, uh, where they go there on vacation or something and and uh, cut cut up a, a dead tree and bring it back and um, unwittingly transport the the spores or or something that's going to infect trees here and so that's how um, that's how a lot of these diseases spread uh, another one an insect that that's um, getting a lot of attention now is emerald ash borer uh-huh. and yeah. that that's I mean it, it's interesting because you see where it has been um, found like sometimes it'll be hundreds of miles away from the closest known um, center. And uh, a lot of times it's following the interstate. So somebody has somebody has loaded up with firewood somewhere that was infected, uh, moved it and unwittingly um, transported either a disease or an insect. And so, I mean, that's that's a big initiative um, from the like nationally is don't move firewood. Yeah. Uh, burn it, burn it where you buy it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard cause we all want, I mean, you want, you want some cheap firewood to throw in the grill in the backyard. Right. So <laughs> we're like, Oh, why not just grab some while I'm uh, while I'm on vacation and, and bring it back with me. But um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's how a lot of these diseases tend to spread. Well that, and that, yeah. So fascinating from like, and from just like an economic standpoint, like your trees are valuable, oh, yeah. they're valuable in yeah. situ. But then like, you know, if you, if you've got land, all your trees die, it's like, I at least want to get something, right. Something out of it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's like, I, yeah, I understand that can cause massive problems, but it, you kind of get people's thought process there of like, Oh, I'm going to at least, you know, make something yeah. out of this, but no, but that, that's where education is important. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, I think a big part of, uh, the message, the message, uh, sorry, the mission of A&M in general and all of the forest service and extension services and all that is to make sure information gets where it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> education and, and service. I mean, those are kind of our, our big things, at least, um, when it comes to trees. So educating, educating people, getting, uh, information out to them and then, I'm working with them to meet the goals that they have or to to solve the problems that they have, uh, issues that they're facing with tree disease and things like that. Well, um, so you mentioned something again before we and we, we alluded to this just a minute ago, but we met, you mentioned something before we started about um, some stuff you'd been reading and listening to about the effect of trees on human health. Yeah. Uh, so would you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So there is a lot of research that has has been done just on on the 
the benefits that trees provide. Now we know, all know about benefits like uh, clean air and uh, they provide oxygen and they um, intercept rainfall and hold the soil and prevent erosion and things like that. Yeah. But but some of the other effects that that maybe aren't as as uh, widely known are things like um, aiding in recovery times for like people that are in a hospital recovering from hmm. from illness or cover, recovering from surgery. If they're even just in a room where they can see trees. The recovery time is um, is is shortened and, and they recover faster. Uh, or neighborhoods where there is more more green space, more trees, um, birth weights of babies are higher. Huh. Um, incidents of like heart disease and things like that are lower. Um, the amount of stress is lower, and and there are numerous studies on this. So one of the initiatives that that we've been really focusing on, um, not just in Texas but throughout the. Uh, the southern states, it's kind of a, a regional initiative, is healthy trees, healthy lives. And there's just trying to get that information out there about all the benefits of trees and how trees um, affect our health. And I mean, health is is a big thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have your health, what do you have, right? Right. Um, so um, getting that information out and, and kind of letting people know and, and trying to find ways to engage them and hopefully through that, encourage more trees to be planted, more people to um, take time to be outdoors or to be around trees and partnering with the with the health community as well. So I know that there are maybe a couple of, of places where physicians are writing prescriptions for um, spending time around trees. I mean, that's huh. that's their prescription um, to <laughs> to get outside and and to be around uh, around nature and around trees and things like. Um, walk with a doc where where uh, your doctor appointment is is outside huh. around trees um, physical activity and so I mean I think even just being around trees kind of spurs um, activity and and spurs like like if you're around trees you want to get outside and do stuff if there's no trees and it's hot like today is nah. fairly hot and, <laughs> it's hot <laughs> um, yeah you don't want to be outside you don't want to do anything but if you can be around trees um i don't know for me like i feel invigorated so okay so we've talked we were talking earlier about the the uh, tree canopy in lubbock mm-hmm. and it's probably largely oak i would think um yeah there's a good variety though i think there there are and there are a lot of trees that do really well here too and so we've put together a kind of a resource of uh, basically uh, trees that are good for lubbock so worked with um solid waste and, and, uh, the city of Lubbock and Lubbock water to put together kind of a resource for folks that, um, they can have a list of trees that, all right, these are, these are the trees that are going to do better yeah. in this area than, than others. So things that are, that are water smart, um, and that can actually survive our hot and dry climate yeah. and the, 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 what happens <laughs> yeah. here every summer, as opposed to, uh, you know, I see a few maples around and maples really don't like. Lubbock no, they don't. They just. Nope. Yeah. yeah. My parents had a, a sugar maple in their backyard for years and it it got to be a fairly large tree, but not as large as it should have been. And <laughs> right. like in a place right. where it wanted to grow. Yes. And, you know, it would come out and it'd be beautiful in in May, you know, yeah. this time of year, May, yeah. June. And I think we would always be like, this is the year. This is it. This is do it. This is the year that we're going to get fall color. And it's and then about mid-July, it would just like scream and die. It's like brown. All the leaves fall off. All the leaves fall off. It would just burst into flame pretty much. So not every tree is is well suited. Uh, Magnolias don't really like it here very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But there are some really good trees. and, And you know this, but here on the Texas Tech campus is the state champion honey locust tree. Yeah. And so, I mean, who would have thought we'd have a state champion? We also have the uh, the co-champion um, Desert Willow is here in Lubbock as well. So, so we can get some fairly large trees here, and there are some trees that that do really well. And if you want to know more about uh, big trees, there, we have the whole big tree registry, and all that information is on our website. A story map and everything that goes along with it is pretty cool. So that's so that, that's perfect because actually that's the thing that I wrote down earlier about something I wanted to bring up was this big tree registry. Yeah. Uh, that, so I, until a couple of years ago when you told me about it, I think at a, <laughs> I don't remember when, uh, I had no idea that was a thing. Oh yeah. Right. And 
then I started looking at the list. I'm like, this is just this is fascinating. It's super cool. And I know people that will actually take take trips. I mean, some of these trees are on on public property and some sure. are on private. A private property, obviously, you're not going to go see them. But but there <laughs> hopefully. are, hopefully. yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but there are, there are a number that are on on public property, and and so people will plan trips around just going to to see. Uh, big trees and, yeah. and just to, to see what that's like. And now some of them, I mean, depending on the species, the largest of the species may not be that big of a tree, but, <laughs> um, but we do have some, some really, really, I mean, we have some national champion trees. So, so trees are um, rated. That's not the right word. Um, like registered, okay. whatever. Nationally, there is a list of trees. And so um, there are Texas trees that are on, huh. on that national list. Well, in the, the, um, uh, honey locust that you're talking about is like just right out in the courtyard in front of our administration building on campus. And it's a gorgeous tree. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I'd walked, you know, I think before you told me that I'd walked under it dozens of times. Yeah. You don't, you don't really think about it. It doesn't stand out as being a big tree. I mean, you think about trees like the, the goose Island Oak or something that, right. that I mean, take like four people to or eight <laughs> people to wrap their arms around. I mean, things like that, that are, Massive, or you think about big trees like the the giant sequoias and stuff like that's a big tree. Yeah. Well, yeah, a big a big honey locust. It's still pretty big. It's not. Um, it's just not. It's, you wouldn't. You wouldn't just be like, just, oh my gosh. It's not like in your face big. It's just like subtly big. But but that gives people, I think, such an interest. So a, a question I get a lot. Now I say that a question that I that has come up before is like, you know, I want to get into. And it's, it sounds weird, right? But I want to get into nature. Like, I want to be excited about going out and doing stuff. Yeah. I want to, and, and some people, that's just not their thing, right? Like, but I think things like this big tree registry and, and just little things that we can do as, you know, uh, government agencies and mm-hmm. educators to make nature exciting. Oh, yeah. Which I think it's exciting in and of itself. Yeah. But, if you make a game out of it, people will do it, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, like you were saying, go plan a trip, go see the, I don't know, top 10 champion trees in Texas yeah. or something. Um, so I think that's a good way to just just get um, get people interested. And I think it's great for with kids, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, that's one of the big things is – uh, as a, a state agency, what we do is is education and and working with with conservation education in our schools and and with children because yeah, getting them excited and engaged from a young age, um, they're going to maintain that as they continue to to grow into uh, voting adults. And that's super important, right? And that's right. that's something we don't maybe talk about enough. Is uh, we talk a lot about teaching kids about nature mm-hmm. because. They needed and and again, in and of itself, it's important. Um, but we talk about okay, they need to know where their food comes from, X, Y, and Z. They need to know about these trees. But you make a great point that they're they will be deciding the policy mm-hmm. of the next 30, 50 years based on the things we're teaching them mm-hmm. today. Um, and so focusing on the environment, focusing on, on some common things like that, that are good for everybody <laughs> yeah, is, is maybe a great educational tool right now. For sure. And one of the things that, that we as an agency are, are working on, and we've got a, an amazing education coordinator that works out of our headquarters in college station, uh, shout out to JC. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that, that we've been working on is a forest literacy program that where we have the tools that we can equip educators with even, um, to to promote this this forest literacy and an understanding of of our forests in general and um, where our forest products come from and and even what constitutes a forest product and and how we utilize those on a daily basis and so I mean that's that's kind of yeah trying to find ways to to reach people and and also doing it in a way that. Um, meets the the goals and the teaks and things that, that oh, educators sure. have as well. Well, those things are important, right? Because there's stuff that the kids have to learn yeah. and there's stuff that they, they have to do. Uh, but gosh, when we think about, and I think it's, it's so important that we keep looking at addressing some of these issues as long-term goals. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whether it be deforestation or climate change or uh, uh, water resource issues and it kind of everything and anything in between food supply. Yeah. Um, there's such a, I think a tendency in our culture today to be like, no, we have to fix it now. We need to go do a thing now. And we're very reactive 
Right. Which has its purpose, uh, which I think, you know, we've seen in the the last few weeks with just some of the stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But we've got to be thinking about, okay, how do we adequately prepare the next generation? Yeah, we've got to have the 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 long term in mind. I mean, we've got to be looking looking ahead and all right, like we can do stuff now, but but how is that gonna how is that gonna change like like all right, whatever whatever policies we implement and institute right now, um, that affects things now, but how how do we look ahead and and yeah. what what is coming up and being forward thinking and and then educating so that the people that are making those decisions will have the tools that they need in order to make those. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you put a Band-Aid on, you take an aspirin, <laughs> but at some point you've got to get into the the systemic issues right. that, that are, are, you know, and, and I think, again, we I, I harp on this a lot because I'm an educator, but I think we do that through education. Yeah, um, for sure. You can't uh, we can't expect people to act on things they don't know and they don't understand. It just it yeah, doesn't you, work that way. Yeah. If you do, if you don't understand it, you just ignore it or um, overlook it and and so yeah once you have that that knowledge of here's here's the issue here's what is causing the issue um and here's what we can do um short term and long term to address it then they're more more likely and more more willing to act okay yeah no absolutely that's great that's a you know my mind's just kind of spinning (laughs) now but no that's that's really great um so th- those are most of my like questions that I'd come in planned with, but uh, I-, I just thought of another one um, and I've got a couple more, but I've just thought of another one. So what is your favorite tree? Oh, so, I mean, that's, it is a good question. There are a lot of trees and, and <laughs> I guess I've, I've probably never met a tree that I, I, I didn't love. Sure. Uh, well, I take that back. There, Bradford pear. Brad, Bradford pear. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there are a few, a few thorny trees that I've had run-ins with. Oh yeah. But, um, probably my, my all-time favorite tree is, um, Liriodendron tulipifera, the tulip poplar. That's a good word. Um, yeah, I know I had to, I had to throw my knowledge of Latin tree <laughs> names in there. Um, but yeah, the, the tulip poplar, it's, you can find them in, in East Texas and, and a lot along the, the East Coast. And they just have a, um, the name tulip poplar, they have a, a flower that looks like a tulip. Oh, wow. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing flower. The, the leaf shape is really unique um, as far as leaf shapes go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, all, yeah. all leaf shapes are unique, but, sure. but it's it's interesting. And and uh, I mean, it makes, makes some good lumber. Um, it's I don't know. I just I've I've just always liked liked the tree and of course the Latin name. So um, yeah, so tulip poplar is my is my choice of favorite That's tree. Good, good choice. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite tree? Uh, mine is the bristlecone pine. Oh, nice. Um, yes. I've actually never gotten to see one in person. Uh, I, that's on my, that's on my list. You <laughs> bucket know? list, yeah. Uh, bucket list. Go to, I guess they're in Yellowstone and, and other places in yeah. California and Nevada. And super old trees. Super old so, trees. And they, and they don't look it. No, cause they're not very big. <laughs> yeah. They don't look a day over a couple hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but they'll live, you know, thousands of yeah. years that they're, they're literally the ancients of this world, yeah. the oldest living single organisms yeah. that we know of. Uh, but those have always been my favorites. I think just, I think they're cool looking. I love the twisting bark patterns. Oh, yeah. The fact that, you know, they'll have one little branch that's alive. <laughs> the rest of it looks like a fossil or something. Yeah. Uh, really neat trees. Um, but I also like them. And, and here's something I kind of wanted to discuss. Uh, I, I like the, and I, and I talked to, so I, I've got another podcast that's just started. Uh, of course. Of course I do. Like you do. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't say no. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a friend, a friend of mine asked me to be on uh, this podcast called Jolly Green Scientists. And I think the episode where we talk about the bristlecone pine, Oh, probably just came out a couple of weeks ago at this. I, I'm trying to think like, cause you know, it's funny recording podcasts cause right. it's not live and I'm trying to think of like, okay, this is coming out on this day. And, uh, so I think that's already out. Um, but the amount of biological history mm-hmm. and, and, uh, geological history, we can learn from something that old is incredible. Yeah. And there's a, a whole, um, section of forestry science, um, called dendrochronology. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with I, I've heard the term. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, basically like tracking history through, through trees and through tree rings. And I know there was a, a grad student when I was in school that, um, he, his, his project was like, uh, now this sounds like a, a really terrible project, right? <laughs> so his project was, was canoeing down rivers and finding, um, sunken logs that had maybe like 
been underwater yeah. for who knows how long and then like come back to the surface and uh taking taking core samples of them huh. and then and then using that to do dendrochronology so so i mean how how terrible does that sound I to get, just like have to canoe. canoe down a river yeah i mean i don't know i I, I, I was a little bit jealous of, I'm of, that, jealous of that project. Of that. So, uh-huh. yeah, especially with your uh, your PhD, you didn't get anything cool like that. I watched you? grass grow. Yeah, right. Liter- I literally <laughs> watched grass grow. You could have been in a canoe. I could have been trees. in a canoe. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, that sounds fun, actually. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just the, the amount of, exactly, like the amount you can tell from the growth pattern of a tree, yeah. the way the, the it lays in wood, like you can tell the prevailing wind direction, what were dry years, what were wet yep. years. Yeah. Where, when, when did fire come through? Yeah. Things like that. And so, you know, and I think that that's, um, that's a reason to preserve. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. Okay. There's <laughs> hundreds or thousands of reasons to preserve old growth forests yeah. and, uh, preserve nature. Mm-hmm as as natural as any nature is anymore you know because we've touched everything at this right point. right well and, and there's there's a balance i mean yeah you say you say natural well yeah what what is natural and how far back i think you talked about this with with kyle like how far back do you go yeah and things like that um and so yeah there's definitely i mean there's a place for preservation and conservation but i mean there there's also a place for utilization and yeah. so i mean finding that balance between here's what we need to to preserve and protect and in what in what stage do we need to try to preserve and protect it? Or do we let it continue to um, change as um, climatic patterns dictate? Sure. Um, so where, where do we maintain that? And then what, what do we utilize and how do we make the best use of the resources? Um, because it is a, a renewable natural resource yeah. for us are, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, so how do we utilize and, and make the best use of that? So. No, that's great. And, and there's an, there's an episode of another, um, podcast called ologies that i listened to mm-hmm. um and one of the early episodes which actually kind of really got me into doing some of this was an interview with a guy named um casey clapp who lives in the pacific northwest mm-hmm. he's an arborist up there um but he talked about uh the timber industry and how you know he says in that that uh the timber industry can absolutely save the world you know if we uh start using our renewable resources yeah. wisely yeah. you know if we're not mining for things if we right. use wood in our construction wisely, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, I think that's fascinating. And there's a lot of work that's being done um, now, even uh, with some new mills and things going going in in East Texas with uh, cross laminated timber. Yeah, so that's basically cool. using using wood to create structures that traditionally you would only see being done with steel. And, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there. There are a lot of and, and as technology um, improves and increases and our knowledge increases, um, the opportunities continue to increase as well. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Um, so, you know, you've listened to a few episodes. The, the question I always hit people with at the end, which sometimes I prepare them for and I usually <laughs> don't. Uh, and it's funny cause the, the more guests I have that have heard, you know, the podcast are like, okay, I was kind of ready. <laughs> um, if you had a piece of advice for our listeners, um, whether that it can be whatever you want, but whether that's in uh, getting into nature or planting a tree or or the right way to prune a tree, whatever, <laughs> uh, what what do you think that would be? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could go with that. So, but but a couple of things. I mean, the the first one and one that that I harp on a lot is is right tree, right place. Yeah, and so I mean that's a big thing. So if you're planting a tree or if you're um, caring for a tree. Make sure that tree's in the right place. I mean, you're going to save yourself and that tree a lot of issues down the road <laughs> if you if you choose to put it in the right spot or choose the right tree for that spot um, to begin with. So, uh, I mean, that's the that's my technical um, sure. technical yeah. advice. As far as other things, I mean, um, just get out in nature. I mean, trees are are so beneficial. They're so good for for our health, our well being. Um, so just just get out there, whether it's it's just your uh, local park that has a couple trees and you can go and sit under those or get yourself a hammock and string up or something. Um, or if you're traveling um, to New Mexico or Colorado or um, Central Texas, where I will soon not have to travel to as I'll be living <laughs> there, um, just just get out there and uh, explore, enjoy what um what's out there in nature and uh, just make the most of it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, re- I really appreciate your time. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, this is, this is fun. You know, this is this is my my first podcast. Well, you did great. And so if if I know if I've learned anything about podcasts, I will probably have my own in about six months. Is that is that kind of how this Pretty goes? Much. You do yep. your first one mm-hmm. and then um, before long, you've got your own or two or, or three. Or yes. Yeah. Right. So yes. anyway, so they're, they're self-propagating <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's about right. Um, so uh, where pl- plug whatever stuff you want to, whether it's a forest service, your own personal things, whatever you want to put out there. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw a few things out there. Um, we do have uh, within the agency, we have a, a podcast called Trees Are Key. Cool. Uh, Paul Johnson does that. Oh, um, Paul's he, great. He's yeah. Out, he's out of our Austin office. He, uh, he, he's great. A lot of topics. I think um, what, it's about 130, 140 episodes that they're up to now. Oh, they're, wow. They're short, short 10 minute episodes, um, give or take. And anyway, great, um, great podcast, um, just information about trees and and the value of trees, the benefits of trees and things like that. So trees are key. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, of course, um, Texas A&M Forest Service is, is great. So if you have tree questions, look us up. Um yeah, that's that's about all I've got to okay. plug right now. So no, that's go, awesome. Go trees. Yeah, go trees. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, John, for coming in, and uh, best of luck in your new your new thing. Well, thanks. Uh, I, I I will not be a stranger. I'll still be back in Lubbock from time to time. So uh, maybe uh, maybe a few years down the road we can get together again and and recap and and see where things have been that sounds great uh thanks for listening as always and uh we will talk to you in a couple of weeks y'all i think it's important that we do not underestimate how important trees and nature are for our health our well-being and just our own happiness so as you go forward think about that in the ways that you vote and the ways that you educate and the ways that you choose to go outside and learn and spend your time uh, i so appreciate you listening uh, i really had fun with this episode and i hope you did too thanks again to the texas tech department of plant and soil science for all the constant support and just uh, for for letting this whole thing happen uh, it would not be possible without them Find us on social media. We're all the places. Uh, search for Planthropology. You'll find a little uh, green background with a little white tree and the word Planthropology. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, go connect with us there. Uh, if you want to support the show, hit up patreon.com slash Planthropology. A small donation goes a long way to paying for hosting fees and everything else that goes along with producing a podcast. Uh, go join the very fun Facebook group at Planthropology's Cool Plant People. Uh, it's really active, lots of cool questions and answers and memes and everything in between. Um, y'all are the best. Next time, we're talking coffee. So come back in two weeks, hear all about everything from plant breeding to GMOs to how to roast a good cup of coffee. Keep being cool, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time.